If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. And today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Jeff Finnerty, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Air Wellness. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lance. Great to be here. Appreciate the uh, opportunity to chat today. I, I'm really curious. I, I know about uh, a little bit about air uh, and sort of it's it's so amazing how this company is just expanding rapidly and all that stuff. And I really, really want to dive into uh, some of the work and, and some of the transition work that you've done uh, from being there and then uh, being the, uh, the CMO now. But before we get into that, uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So where did you actually grow up? Uh, I grew up in, uh, in Connecticut. Um, I was born in upstate New York and then, and then, you know, elementary school through high school, uh, uh, was in a town called Guilford, Connecticut. Are you a uh, only child or you have brothers, sisters? Oh, I have, uh, I have an older brother and a younger sister. So I'm the guy in the middle. So how was, uh, how was your childhood? My childhood, uh, we, we had a, you know, a, a great childhood, you know, um, you know, the strong family a big lots of uncles and cousins and uh you know uh, opportunities to get together and celebrate holidays and graduations and birthdays and all that and uh, yeah so it was uh it was uh, really a pleasant upbringing that's it's like uh, a surprising kind of upbringing nowadays because a lot of people i talk to like parents were divorced i traveled around the country i live with my mom i had, I had somebody in my last one who 
parents separated and her mom moved to Alaska. And she ended up like growing up in Alaska with 30 people, the same 30 people from elementary school all the way through. So, Ooh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a small, uh, narrow, uh, you know, uh, community there for sure. So growing up in Connecticut, uh, were you, were you a sports guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love sports. Uh, you know, played football, uh, basketball, um, you know, and some baseball. And, you know, even now I, uh, I'm a head football coach for, for youth football. Um, I had my, my older son, um, just coached him all the way through eighth grade. And those guys are off playing high school football, freshman football now. And my youngest son is, uh, in, uh, in fourth grade and I'm now, Looping back around and teaching uh, teaching uh, eight and nine year olds uh, how to play football. So, uh, so what was your your team? My team, the, my favorite team, uh, as far as uh, well, yeah, I'm just yeah. like Connecticut. You know, it's like uh, what's what's the team? Are you are you going Patriots? Is oh, I'm I'm a Giants guy. Yeah, no, now that's the uh, my brother actually lives in a town about 20 minutes south of me, and they HBO um inside sports uh did a did a show when the giants and the patriots were playing you know, in the super bowl years ago yeah that his town is actually equidistant to giant stadium and to, to foxborough so he <laughs> could get definitely get a mix yeah that's why connecticut is sort of in the middle it's like where which which team do you think it's it's like uh when, when people live in jersey like uh are they they north jersey and south jersey are they philly fans are they are they more new york fans kind of thing uh you know so I, I get that a lot. I'm, I'm originally from Philly. I live I live in uh, in LA, but I'm a, I'm a all like Philly sports. Nice. No, I lived uh, I lived down in Marlton, New Jersey, for a little while, right yeah. across the uh, right across the river there. So as you uh, you know went on your uh, journey, were you going to school for something specific? Like how did did your schooling and and background contribute to your your uh kind of trajectory in in business as well yeah well i, I went to i went to school in nashville tennessee actually um and and studied uh economics and psychology uh which you know can can you know the psychology piece you know when it comes to being a marketer and kind of understanding people's behaviors um you know is uh it's fascinating so it's kind of applying that but you know, i didn't necessarily have um that vision when i got to school but uh coming out of school i got the opportunity uh, right out of college to work for the Coca-Cola company. And if you want to learn about um, uh, brands and shopper marketing and, um, you know, all, all things about uh, consumers, there's probably not a better laboratory environment to learn. I, you know, tell people, uh, you know, I used to go to school every day at the at Coca-Cola University because I learned, I learned more there every day than I did in four years of college for sure. So what is some of the, I know it's like, a long kind of journey there, but what would be some of the highlights? The you know, it's it's CPG is sort of the entry. Let's say consumer packaged goods, but as you get in there and you're you're in the marketing kind of uh, uh, arena with with Coca Cola, what what would be some of the areas that the, you said you you learned in terms of branding and marketing and and how would you take some of that that you learn and, and apply that to you know further your career uh in in where you are today yeah i mean the the, the biggest thing that i learned and, and i learned it from talking to the folks that had been you know at coke 20 or 30 years when i was first getting there you know one of the most powerful examples of what a brand means 
beyond a product, right? I mean, I'm actually, I got my, my Coke right here. Um, but it's, you know, it's brown sugar water with bubbles, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's all it is. It's not rocket science. Um, but if you, you may be familiar with the, when they came out with new Coke, right? They changed the formula and that was, it was the result of the, the great Pepsi challenge, right? So they would go and set up at supermarkets and the music parks and they'd have you drink two, you know, here's, you know, A and B and which one do you like better? And, and Pepsi's a, a little sweeter and a little flatter. And so when it first hits your tongue, you know, it's people would react to it like, oh, I like that better. Like it's just your, you know, your, your mind um, uh, recognizing the sweetness. And they changed the formula to basically mimic Pepsi because they got, they were getting their butt kicked, um, you know, and they, and Pepsi was doing a great job at, you know, marketing, you know, the campaign around, look at all these people choosing Pepsi and then, you know, they like it better. And people revolted, right? I mean, all of these loyal co-consumers, but it was less about, oh, it just tastes a little different. It was that you changed this brand, the, the Coca-Cola, right? The brand. And, and it was people were writing in letters about, you know, I, I remember drinking a glass bottle of Coke on the end of the dock when my grandfather was teaching me to fish. And now that he's gone, when I drink a Coke, I remember that. And you just took it away from me, right? It was about the emotive connection. And it, it was about the, the fact that Coke, Coca-Cola was present in these moments in your life. And that that you would monkey with that, you know, was was so offensive. And you know, of course, they brought it back. Uh, you know, the original formula, and you know, doubled sales. Right. So, some people say, you know, was that by design? It was not. Um, but really, when you think about, for me, you know, we think about brands, and, and especially as we, you know, try to venture into that area, you know, in cannabis, where there's not a, a long life cycle. People have done really good job of creating brands that have a loyal following it's um you know certainly we want to build them uh on things you know this is an agricultural product you put in your body right so you want to build it on a, a foundation of trust and transparency and um uh, you know th that's got to be the foundation but you've got to be able to connect with consumers around a mission or uh, a certain vibe or you know that this is part of a health and wellness regimen for this brand or this is a mission driven brand or this one is, you know, about just having a good time. And this one's about nostalgia. And, you know, and so we're, you know, intentionally building a, a broad portfolio of national brands that are, um, where, you know, some other MSOs, they've got two or three mega brands and they put every form factor, you know, in that same brand across. Um, and that's one way to do it. Certainly the brand will have higher sales because you're putting more products into fewer brands. Uh, but I don't think it recognizes the fact that there is no cannabis consumer, right? There are cannabis consumers from 18 to 90 years old and in every, you know, geography and every uh, socioeconomic, um, uh, you know, situation. I mean, we know that um, in every state that has a medical or recreational program, adults 21 and over, if you take all that population, 46% of those folks have purchased legal cannabis in the last six months. Like, that's mind-blowing. Here's the even more interesting thing is that 27% of adults 21 and over in those same states are interested in trying cannabis, right? So combine those, you get 73% of the adult population in 30, 38 states that either are already purchasing legal cannabis 
or are interested in doing it, right? So when you build, is that study include CBD or that? No, just, this is this is this cannabis. Is, this is yeah. cannabis. Interesting. Is cannabis. Yeah, it's wow. from DDS. Uh, I should probably give them credit for that. It's, but it, and here's the fascinating thing is that uh, I, I went to a conference last December. Uh, where they gave that same stat, it was seventy three percent of people are either interested or have purchased. Except in last December, it was forty three percent had purchased and thirty were interested. Wow! And this summer now, we did the study, and it's still seventy three percent to get purchased or interested. But now it's thirty, you know, twenty seven percent. So three that three percent, ten percent of those thirty percent have actually moved in and and, and purchased cannabis. Um, and so when you think about building brands, like th- th- Okay, well, what are the brands and the messaging to connect with somebody who's not a cannabis consumer, but they're interested? It's very different than someone who uh, has already moved up the spectrum and they're into, um, you know, some of the higher potency concentrates and they, you know, they have um, the tornadoes and they've, you know, they're, they're, they're in an entirely different place than maybe somebody who is interested in the idea of a THC seltzer. Right, like oh, I, I could that that makes sense to me. That's similar to a white claw or something like that. I, I can make that connection with you know not necessarily going right into whole flower or you know um, vapes or concentrates. So, um, so how, do you, how do you know? Like, I, I'm 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 really curious. I've been I've been in the cannabis space for a very long time, and building a brand in cannabis has been like a huge challenge. And when I talked to uh, WeMaps at some point, I was trying to ascertain uh do people gravitate towards a brand is there is there any loyalty of coming back and they were saying daily deals so for me daily deals means like your consumers are just caring about hey i don't know the difference between this and this but i know i can get it for 30 dollars instead right. of being for 50 dollars. so yep. how do you how do you establish this what you were saying and i agree with you completely there it's a huge difference but i don't think the consumer understands that no, and and you know, and honestly, I think I think that the the problems um, you know have been created by by cannabis companies, right? That that there it, there's a lack the the number of cannabis companies that price based on THC percentage in a flower is like, oh, this was thirty percent, therefore it should be this should be sixty bucks an eighth, right? But this one came back at eighteen percent, so we'll sell that to you for fifteen bucks. Like that's crazy because it, it's not like grain alcohol right is you know it's the terpenes and the full profile of everything in there there you can grow terrific terrific cannabis that has 18 percent thca in it but has the right terp profile to really have this impactful experience and versus you know you can dry it out a little better and get a test result at 30 so but but the problem is we're not having those discussions with our consumers right we're saying if the reason to believe is high THC percentage. Well, A, it's misleading because it's not necessarily the experience that someone's looking for. Uh, and and then your brand is really just THC or the daily deal, right? Where can I get the highest THC percentage for the lowest price? Well, you'll never build a brand that way, right? You have to think about what are your intentional you know, reasons to believe, right? And, and um, so each of our brands, you know, we're trying to do that founded. What, what do people care about? Do we as a brand storyteller start to help educate, which has to be a part of this, right? Um, it's too easy, you know, to get caught up in trying to hit a revenue number this month in this state. And so, yeah, we got to do 50% off because the guy down the street's doing 50% off. 
And then you just get caught in that cycle. And then you never, you never establish, um, you know, it's a race to the bottom that you can't get out of because the only thing you know is to keep pulling the lever of, okay, we'll go 60% off next month, right? Um, versus trying to say, well, what, what are we doing that's, that's differentiated? And that's, you know, one of the things um, that I was really attracted to when I first came to air was, you know, having a conversation with John Sandelman, who's our, our, our founder and our CEO. Mm. And he is, is very passionate about this idea that, you know, our mission is to uh, be the largest producer of high quality cannabis products at scale. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting that he's, he's been saying that for 18, 24 months, and you don't hear a lot of other people talking about high quality at scale. There are great small producers in, in every state, you know, that 30,000, you know, square feet, they're growing terrific stuff. Um, but we're trying to accomplish that with a million square feet of canopy, right? Uh, across, you know, eight different states. And, and we've got a, we've got a, a brilliant guy uh, leading our cultivation. Uh, Mark Bruno, and and when you see these brands that we're trying to launch in the flower category, and that they mean something around unique genetics that are grown to produce at scale, you know, full terpene, nice bag appeal, got a good nose. It's all of the things beyond. Oh, look, we hit a thirty. You know, it's great. Yeah, look, if we get a thirty percent test and we and we and we have all of those things, and it's a high THC percentage, that's great. But we're very careful to say we can't, we're not going to say that this lit reserve flower, which is one of our brands, and the reserve is the top tier. Well, it's only that reserve if it gets a 30% THC, right? And then we move it up and down. It's No, it's about the genetics. There are a certain set of genetics and they have a little different post-process on them and the, the way that we finish and the number of, of buds that go into a bag um, so that we can talk to people about the terpene profiles and these unique genetics that we're launching in every state. We're in the last. 60 days, 50 new genetics across all of our cultivation um, facilities as we launch our, our kind flower and our, um, and, and our lift flower. And so that's, that's where we're, we're trying to build those brands around genetics that you can't get anywhere else, uh, that have a story behind them. The breeder has a story behind it. And here's why this is a unique experience for you. Um, because long-term, if, if, again, if it's about daily deals and THC percentage, it's every time the guy next door drops the price, then you're just going to have to keep doing that as well. And it's not going. The industry is going to have a hard time surviving in that environment, right? A lot of people. Well, it's 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 already feeling the effects yeah. of that. If you look at Canada, and especially you know the laws they created in Canada, what you just said is exactly what's happening in Canada. It's all about high THC because they're not allowed to market anything, and people are are misled to believe that this product. Is superior to this product just because it has the higher C, uh, THC count. But yeah. before we dive into era, I really want to like take this a little bit further. But how did you go from Coca Cola to cannabis? What was the uh, what was the journey? Yeah, well, so I was actually I went from Coca Cola. It's uh, about sixteen years there, and then worked um, uh, on a great restaurant brand, Firehouse Subs. And then from there, uh, I got a call. Um, uh, in uh, early 2019 from uh, a friend that I started with actually at Coke back in 1998. Like literally we had two sales territories that were next to each other. Uh, and he said, uh, Hey, I got an interesting opportunity. I'm going to be running this uh, cannabis company down in, in, in Florida. You know, I'd love to have you come in and run, you know, sales and marketing. 
and uh, you know it had never occurred to me um to uh to get into cannabis um but i you know it's like oh well i flew down and checked it out i remember having we were in this shade house a 10 acre shade house and, and having a conversation about utilization of capital and some other things and i'm just surrounded by plants right and it's like when, when does this become normal right you know because this is it's, it's crazy um but you know and went and saw some of the retail locations they had this it was grow healthy uh, in florida and I was, you know this is it's not a head shop you know from from the 1970s i mean these this these are you know really professional retail locations that are welcoming and, and um you know the education and the passion of the people that work in there it was it was very interesting you know in florida's a, a, a medical cannabis state and you know personally um i have a younger sister who has fibromyalgia and uh and she for five years uh couldn't couldn't work right she was on disability just couldn't work because the pain was too much but then she she got her medical card in in connecticut uh and it changed her life i mean she she was present again like you know with the family uh and then she got a job you know doing uh environmental cleanup in the new haven harbor which is a very physically demanding job uh, that she could have i mean dreamed of doing that and you know and it was i saw i had a personal experience where i saw um you know cannabis being used uh you know to treat a, a medical condition and and it changed lives and and i saw that day in and day out um you know when i first got to grow healthy i remember we we launched um rso which there wasn't a lot of it i talked to a lot of doctors so it's they, rick rick simpson oil rick simpson oil yeah and there were only a couple of providers that were doing it and doctors were telling me they, they don't consistently make it so it comes in and out uh and so some of their patients actually order you know they, they tell them to order it from canada you know it's illegal you know um but it it had such an impact on their lives and i remember i got a voicemail about five weeks after we launched it uh and we we committed to having these strains specific rso's and we would always have them in the store because if somebody found something that was working for them medically you know you ha you have to be able to make sure that they can come back and get it uh and i had a voice i saved it I, I don't think i have it uh anymore on my phone but i had it for like a year uh but a woman said you're literally saving my life you know and you should talk to my doctor about my cell counts like it's amazing you know what's this done and, and that's if you can't take pride in that and and really you know motivate and um you know drive that into the culture of your organization like where you've got you know pride in in what you're doing and it's not just like oh okay you, you guys sell weed right no no we're, we're changing lives yeah. you know and we get to do that every day every customer who comes in in florida is a patient you know um so it's pretty powerful stuff and and so as i thought about my my uh my sister uh and her experience and and i you know came down and visited grow healthy you know that was i was really excited to to get into um into the cannabis industry and then you know did that for for uh a couple of years and you know then I, I met john uh and uh jason griffith who's our chief operating officer and started talking about hey i could do this you know on a much larger scale and, and what was fascinating was uh you know they built the organization at that point, a ton of MA, like right after I got here, you know, so they had a couple of states. Um, but it was really focused on high quality cultivation capabilities uh, and financial discipline and operations. They had one person that worked in marketing. <laughs> right? So it was like, yeah, I'm not coming here to run market. We got to build it. Right. You know, and, and now we got, you know, nearly a 50 person team uh, covering, um, you know, all of our retail, wholesale marketing and, and uh, in the brand building and our digital marketing. It's, uh, 
uh, it's been an exciting, um, exciting uh, year and a half uh, doing that. It's very rapid growth with air from what I've, uh, what I've noticed. Uh, one of the things you said, and I completely connect with you to the, to the medic medicinal aspects of the plant. And, you know, I've stories of, you know, people given six months to live, to live for six years and all the cancer and everything else. But this, this notion in Florida is a great example. Like it's a medical state. It's a fully vertical state. So you can control your own destiny from seed, you know, literally all the way to sale as yep. anybody wants to. But then you have all these other states that are opening up as they become quote unquote recreational. And I, I, to me, it's adult use, not really recreational, but they call it recreational. How can you maintain this whole, because brand building, and I still, I'm still going back to that because I don't believe that we as an industry have done a really good job building brands and it takes a lot of education, but there's, there's this being in California and, uh, and coming from, you know, Prop 215 and SB 420, going to medicinal use and then creating recreational. I can see the industry shifted right away. Like all the people that are medical patients, they don't have, they don't have the same exact selection available to them. Uh, they don't have the same, uh, you know, they're the same sort of, uh, even the marketing is not driven towards them anymore. It's it's a lot of these things that we have variety and uh, look at our moon rocks and look at these and look at those. And we have these vapes and you can get a, a high potency, uh, you know, THC vape. H- how do we create, because wellness is in your name, right? How do we continue building this brand throughout the country? Because we, it's so fragmented since we don't have a federal program in place to maintain that brand integrity that still goes and connects to your story and your vision and your mission. Yeah. And I I think that's, that's the, the, the beauty of having, um, you know, we think about two different things like building a retail brand, right. Where you're little, you know, we have to be everything to everyone. Right. But our product brands, and we've got 11 national product brands and, uh, another probably dozen regional brands that gives you the opportunity to kind of narrow the focus on who you're talking to. Right. And, and that's why we have the ability. This is about wellness. This one is clearly about high potency, right? This is about variety or nostalgia. And, and as, as you, it's a lot harder to, to build and launch 11 brands than it would be two or three. Right. And, and, and and so we're we're what I would call in the kind of brand deployment phase, not the brand building, because we've got to get it deployed and, and and put it across our state. You know, make sure that uh, John likes to talk about, you know, an iPhone in Iowa should works exactly like the one you buy in Florida. How do we how do we do that? You know, with cannabis and stuff. You know, because uh, you, you've got you manufacture it differently in every single state. Uh, you have growing conditions and environmentals that are different in every state. But we can. We've gotten very good at having. You know, uh, Secret Orchard is uh, a brand for us that is a fruit forward, lower THC kind of entry, um, you know, vape product. Um, and that we can spec it. We know that the terpene provider is the same one that we have in every state. We use the exact same mix of distillate. We, we have the same target on THC percentage so that we know wherever we sell Secret Orchard, the watermelon vape cartridge is is going to be the same experience and, and we've been able to do that with our entourage line which is a cannabis uh, inspired you know strain specific vape line because it has a little higher thc percentage but we you know so that's 80 percent and we know terpene belt farms provides these serps and they're going to have the same set of terps in every state 
So it's a little harder when you're growing the plant and you're talking about whole flower because the same genetics we have, we have, we have very similar genetics that line up with our flower brands. But when we grow it in Gainesville, Florida, versus when we grow it in, in Milford, Massachusetts, it doesn't look the same, right? Because you just have a different environment. Well, I mean, you have genetic drift even within the crop itself. You can be growing indoor and you can say, all right, this one was a little bit closer to light or got a little bit more newts than the other one. Or we, when we cured this, we cured in a room with a little bit different uh, humidity level than the other yep. one. It's, oh, it's yeah. a plant. And, it, and this is the thing that it's very, very difficult to educate the public because, you know, my company, and no plug for my company, but we do genetic testing uh, for humans to match them up uh, so they, uh, with cannabis that's more aligned with them so they can avoid adverse uh, experiences, et cetera. But the, the challenge on our side is, well, now that you kind of understand that maybe you'll do better with a little bit more of a balanced one-to-one CBD to THC mm-hmm. yep. uh, decarb. And maybe these are your terpene profiles, maybe, uh, you know, linalool and beta-caryophylline. But how do I make sure that you can get that product consistently in all the states that you're in? And as you just said, I find I like to use the example of like my GNC or my vitamin shop. I can go to anyone in Florida or in California or in Philly, and I know that I'm going to get the same exact supplement, but we don't have the same thing in cannabis. So you know, flour is difficult. Vapes, you're absolutely right. Like you yep. can create a product, you can create a consistent tincture, but in flour, maybe there's a way to be able to communicate to people and say, hey, give us a percentage of error. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it'll be similar to this, but maybe a little bit different, but still shouldn't have the same kind of uh, effect if it aligns with your genetics correctly. Yeah. I mean, and, and so we're like I said, I think we're getting, you know, we have a commercialization process that is helping us kind of align product consistency in wellness categories like our tincture lines and our beverage lines, our edibles and our concentrates and our um, uh, the, the vape category. From a flower perspective, what we are doing is aligning the genetics of, of these brands across everywhere. And then we're using the same lights. We're using, you know, the same, um, you know, fertigation system. And you know, so, so we are trying to get the as close as we can. But knowing again, right? I mean, that's part of the beauty of it is it's plant. It's, it's <laughs> exactly it. It's, it's going to be a little bit different, and and that's and that's okay, you know. And in fact, we should celebrate that. So, yeah, I think that's that's part of the storytelling. When we talk about brands again. It's it's not just a, a pretty box, right? Like what is what is the ethos and the voice of the brand, and what are we trying to communicate? And and ultimately, we want to have a two way conversation with our consumers. And so it could be about, you know, for me, uh, for the flower brands, where I want to get to is that you know you're following the journey of that plant, right? That our content is hey, the um, the, the gorilla glue number four. You just here you can see it get cloned right and then two weeks later like here it is just coming out of veg and then oh it's in the flower room now right and you can walk it all the way up to hey that's in the stores next week you know um and and so i think that 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 kind of visual education will help tell that story and, and get a, a better understanding of course you know even gorilla glue number four we could start talking about harvests well, this harvest was a little different because it was in the summer and a high humidity and, you know, and then this one, 
right? You're kind of like wines and vintages, right? You buy the same wine, but yeah. you have this story around, well, boy, that, you know, 2015, it was like 100 degrees all of this. Like, so you got a whole different profile than, uh, than 2016. And so I think there's an opportunity um, for flower brands to to do more of that storytelling about the the journey of the plant through that kind of 16-week process from clone to to harvest to drying and curing and and then and then talk about harvest to harvest and and you know that they're it's okay that they're different yes it's the same genetic that you loved it's back now it's a little different this one's got a little more purple in it here's why and then you know and then you know utilize you know the 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 expertise and celebrate our cultivators who are you know you know half kind of uh, agricultural scientists and half uh, you know artists uh, in, in this and i think that that's that's really engaging stuff and i think when you think about building loyalty that when you can build brands around the people behind it and the artistry and the the agriculture nature nature of the plant and like that that to me i think has legs and and i don't think that many people are doing that real well uh currently what well, do you think that these names that we call the cultivars do you think that they detract from this whole notion of this is a wellness product and this is something that's going to, uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Of course, making no claims because we can't, but, right. you know, and you brought up Gorilla Glue number four. Okay, I mean, that's that's a, a strain that, that the, you know, has has some lineage behind it and a story behind it. Uh, and it, it helped that... <laughs> The, the Gorilla Glue uh, sent a letter of cease and desist to, so there, there's a, there's a, there's, no, there, there is history behind it and they did it in jest. But I mean, we have names like Alaskan Thunderfuck, uh, Grandma Mary going into a dispensary. Yeah. I don't know how comfortable she'll feel asking for that specific, uh, you know, strain or cultivar. Look, so I, this is something that I've, I've, uh, thought a lot about, right? And you go back and forth because there's, there's really multiple sides to the story. Like, right? you know, for instance, we have a genetic that we just started putting around in, in all our estates. Uh, and when we got it from the breeder, right, the name of the, it was orangutan titties, right? Um, <laughs> changed that name to tang. Okay. So it still honors the, the, the lineage of the crossbreed, but. Uh, maybe in, in it's a little easier to ask our female employees to recommend this to somebody in the store versus telling them about you know orangutan titties. So, uh, but the, that's where that's where the issue goes. So we build brands, and the brand can be very forward, you know, uh, on wellness and 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 medicinal. When, but if you if you start getting away from the the string names, part of that right is is an understanding that that the name is somewhat derived from you know, cross, right? There's a lineage and a heritage to whatever this this new version or breed uh, of, of a strain is. And if we just say we're going to go with much more direct plain names, you're taking away some of the information, you know, that, that more educated patients and, and consumers, they want to know that, oh, that was a cross between, you know, White 99 and Cindy and, you know, and that, that, that they want, they actually want to know, you know, what what's the lineage, you know? So, so that, that's what I was going to ask. And I, I'm I'm in agreement with you, but how much of that consumer, like, what's the percentage of that consumer? Are they the ones that are looking at concentrates and dabs? Do you have like these connoisseurs? They want to know, oh, that's a lemon haze cross with this, or on the wellness side, do you have uh, more of a consumer that says, I just want to connect something that's going to help me with sleep. I don't really care that it's a, a indica dominant. I, I don't even understand what that is. Yeah. 
No, so I actually, you know, from from my experience, the patients, right? When that that voicemail, the woman uh, left me who was a cancer patient. You know, she was talking specifically about the birds of paradise, RSO, right? And like it was that strain that was, you know, so it wasn't even dominant. Right? It was it was this strain because we make two others that are also, you know, into Kalini. Um, so there, I actually find the folks that are really looking to address symptoms derived from conditions. Um, do a lot of homework on genetics and and understand the difference. And much much more so, I think, than um, the average adult use customer. Right now, you certainly have really passionate adult use consumers. Right, that they want to know everything about it. Right, um, you know, kind of like your craft beer enthusiasts. Right, you know, it, it, it's a whole. You know, they're going to talk about hops and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that, but that's not everybody. Right, and, and I think it's hard to say. Um, we're gonna. We're only gonna use those kind of strain names for these brand. You know, it, it's just something that seems in, industry wide that it's probably not worth trying to make large waves right now on on and getting away from the the, the kind of traditional strain names. Right, we, our marketing team builds our brand names and all of our product names, but the guys in the row are the ones that actually name the strains. Right, which seems you know like. What other CPG industry would? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the guys it's, in the factory are naming the product, right? I it's it's completely different industry. Well, that that's why that's what I mean. It's 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 such a different industry with so many different nuances because there's a culture to it too, right? That a lot of and, and I'm going back to Coca Cola. There's a culture to that, right? There is like that kid with his grandpa that you were in and fishing and all that stuff. There's a culture to the cannabis industry, and it's different from like my daughter. And, uh, you know, kids in, in college, they have a different connection to it than, you know, maybe we did or the generation before me did that has this, you know, we overcame prohibition. We, uh, you know, th- these, not, not that we overcame, we still are in prohibition in a way, but it's, it's different than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, especially. But this, so this notion of, uh, you know, how do you create this? Uh, yes, you have people naming them. But w- I guess what I'm alluding to is that the names will continue will continue making these names because the land races are no longer available. So we're always crossing and creating these hybrids. And it gets confusing to a consumer. You know, uh, well, cross of this, cross of that. I don't understand indica sativa. So I always try to tell people, like, you know, find sort of the terpene profile that aligns better with you, what are the cannabinoids and terpenes? I don't care about the name. It doesn't really matter to me what it is, but you can have your shelf, all right? So this is the shelf that has, you know, four or five different products. They're more aligned with you based on that because you know when you, either you smell it or you took a DNA test or you know, I've taken this and the other ones, no, 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 that make my, makes my heart race too much. And this one puts me to sleep too much. This is sort of right in the middle. So I know what fits with me. Uh, and this is, I don't know if it's, it's very difficult to market around that because as you mentioned, we have these names that people sort of connect to, but there's so much change in that because like, if you're making a Gorilla Glue number four and one of your competitors making a Gorilla Glue number four, it may not be the same and you're calling it the same. So it gets really confusing. It's, it's a difficult job to be in. Yeah, you know, and that, but we're trying to get uh, the opportunity to talk about terpenes and, and educate around that as much as possible. So we're we're in the process of, of building and rolling out across our whole retail network 
you know, a new e-commerce platform. And, and when you get to our product uh, description pages, we've got a terpene chart on each product, right? And so you can see here's the terpene profile for this one. So once you get past Gorilla Glue number four, okay. And then there's a radar chart kind of on effect, right? This one is, you know, more sleepy and, you know, or, or energized. And so you can kind of look at the wheel. And then what comes next after that, uh, you know, again, this is work in progress, is the ability to suggest other products to you based on the similar terping profile, right? That's that's where we start. You know, hey, did you like Gorilla Glue number four? Well, hey, here's a vape and an edible that both have similar terp profiles, right? That 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 we that we make there. Uh, or how, how do you get how do you get your feedback that like uh, you liked? Gorilla Clue number four, or it addressed my symptomatic condition or whatever. Uh, is there a patient reported outcome kind of uh, thing? Like, how do you, how do you know that? So what we, we're, we're integrating reviews into our, our website. So we've got that, but we've also got um, a, uh, a CX platform. So we, we had post-purchase surveys, right? So they're automated that, you know, if you go and you purchase uh, you're going to get a text or an email that allows you to take a survey where we can get targeted feedback. So we've got, you know, I mean, on a, on a monthly basis, we get about eight to 10,000 uh, of those surveys back. And so when we pull that together, it gives us a really good view, you know, not only on our products, but it, 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 it you know, the experience in our stores, our staff, and, you know, are we, you know, how did you feel we did in educating you about a product? Do you have questions, you know? And and we you know cater training programs and 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 uh, you know based on a lot of that feedback. So that's that's been incredibly uh, valuable. We launched that uh, across our, our seventy plus uh, dispensaries back in um, February of this year, and just the, the amount of information that we get back is is uh, it's huge. That's so yeah. That's that's incredible information to, to get and then be able to create products around those. Uh, so on the consumer side, you're moving towards educating them. And are you doing anything on the healthcare professional side? Uh, as you mentioned, Florida, you know, the, you get a cannabis card, a, a, a healthcare professional has to make that recommendation. And you still, being a wellness company, there, there is a connection to, you know, health and wellness. So yep. are, you, are you educating uh, healthcare professionals as well? Are you engaging with them so they know that you have certain yeah, products and we're actually in the in the process. Uh, I had a, a large team at Grow Healthy that uh, that called on uh, the physicians. There's 2,500 plus physicians in the state of Florida that have you know the ability to write the certification for your for your for your card. Uh, and we've got two folks uh, in Florida uh, on our Liberty Health Science team uh, that we're tripling the size of the team. We're going to six to to do that to do to do uh, doctor outreach um, to educate them on our brands and our products and and um, to me, right? I mean, the state of Florida, they're at we're adding about twenty six to twenty seven hundred medical card holders a week, and it's linear. I mean, it just every week open it up the OMB report, and boom, there it is. And w w the one thing I know they all have in common: these new patients that are new to cannabis, uh, or at least new to you know the medical program, uh, is they all have to go to one of those twenty five hundred doctors before they make their first dispensary visit, right? So. You know, for us, it's it's about you know having discussions uh, with with the physicians, you know, about trust, transparency, science, right? The things that we want um, we want to uh, deliver to their patients, who are also our patients, right? Uh, with the knowledge that it's not like a doctor writes you a prescription uh, 
and it doesn't matter if you go to Walgreens or if you go to Rite Aid or CVS because it's, they're going to give you exactly what was prescribed. Depending on where that patient goes after he leaves the doctor's office, right? They could go to some place where they're going to get pushed. To, you know, maybe he says, you know, you should start out with a with a ratio to one to one, or you know, high CBD to low THC. But you're going to go in, and somebody's going to be a bud tender selling you on something that's high THC, and oh, this is the best stuff, right? Whereas, you know, in our in our stores in in, in Florida, uh, you know, we want to position that conversation with the physician as a continuum of care, right? So if you've told somebody that, hey, you're looking for uh, help with sleep and, and anxiety, you know, and that you should be looking for this type of ratio product, that we're going to ask that question when they come in and we're going to guide them to what they want, not what we're selling, right? Not what's on deal today. Uh, and I think that the more uh, that we can demonstrate that, that to, the, to the physician community, um, you know, it's going to be good for our business because they're going to trust. They're going to say, look, I, this is what I think you should get here. You know, and if you want to go somewhere, I know you're going to get that. You know, hopefully that's a Liberty Health Science uh, store in, in, in Florida. So uh, I think that, that outreach to the physicians is a, is a critical component of our business yeah. in the medical market. That's great. Uh, uh, glad you're, you're hitting both, both ends of that. Um, you mentioned quality at scale. Mm -hmm. uh, you have shareholder pressure. Uh, a lot of companies uh, in your space uh, have that. How do you sort of balance the, hey, let's just sell a shitload of uh, stuff because we need to raise our, our share price and satisfy our shareholders versus you guys don't understand. This is an agricultural crop. We may not have the same consistency, uh, lights per, pounds per lights or whatever it is that we did last month. As you said, you know, there was a conditional change in Georgia, in in uh, Florida versus what it was in in uh, another state. Like, how do you balance the two? Maybe that's not even <laughs> the focus of your job, but I'm I'm just thinking that. Well, no, it is. Look, at the, yeah, we're a publicly traded company. Uh, that that you know, we we have to build shareholder value, and and we do that. By uh, by profitably growing our revenue, right, and there's always going to be pressure, right, to to make sure this month uh, the numbers look better than last month, and and that you know we're we're moving up and to the right. But with that has to come a recognition that that the long term way to win uh, with consumers and in this industry is to build brands that are based on quality, right, because for whatever imbalances of supply and demand that are happening in a lot of these 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 states where a bunch of big players all build, build cultivation and they all came online at the same time much faster than the rate of growth of consumers so now there's price compression everything comes down well i'm of the mind as is as is our, our, our founder and ceo that that quality will always be a differentiator right and and if we really nail what the definition of quality is for the consumer and then are married to that, then we can maintain pricing power, which, which ultimately will allow us to, to profitably grow the business, right? I mean, we could sell more and more cannabis at lower prices, smaller margins, right? So then we're not as profitable. Um, but I think if, if we always use that quality at scale as our North Star, in uh, in consistently message that that that's our differentiation or reason to believe across our portfolio brands that that that's got staying power, right? And and um, 
there's only so if if you want to play the game of okay let's just get more of it out uh it, less variety less less worry about this one's just a high yielding plant but it has no terpene profile but hey look we got 200 grams per square foot out of it like this right, right? we'd sell more of it like you have to balance that you know obviously we don't want to be growing plants that have a great profile beautiful bread structure but we only get 20 grams out of plant right so you got to find something you know in in the middle and, and balance it but um to me it, there's there's lots of ways to be uh penny wise and pound foolish uh and one of them is to take shortcuts on, on quality but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because a lot of publicly traded companies succumb to that pressure and they started making those changes, modification, the scrambling. You can feel it. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like sticking to your mission and vision is, is key in being able to communicate to your shareholders, hey, this is a long-term vision. We're, we're going to stick to this. And there may be some bumps in the road because yeah. this is a very difficult, uh, you know, it's a very difficult business because it's, schedule it's the schedule one <laughs> drug which is which is crazy but it, you know and it, so it leads me to a question that, that sort of popped in my head about uh, you're you're expanding rapidly through acquisition as well so being able to come in and take over an existing uh, business that ha- that's doing it in a certain way they may have their their own SOPs etc how do you like how do you overcome that challenge and and some of the challenges that you may have of getting them in culture, in SOP, in processes, so you still can maintain that uh, you know high quality uh, output that, you, that you're getting with your other uh, facilities? Yeah, I mean it. it that's not easy. <laughs> that's not easy. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not even going to pretend to say, oh yeah, we got that covered. Um, no, it, it's it really. I mean, it's culture, right? I mean, you've got to come in, and there's SOPs, right? Hey, we're gonna, you guys, we're doing it this way. Here, we're gonna move to this, these lights, and we're gonna use to this watering schedule. We're gonna do, that's kind of the easier part, right? It's, it just kind of roll out the SOPs, um, but the culture piece, you know, really getting buy-in, you know, on, and that was one of the first things I, I did when I when I got here was really help define like our brand house, right? What's our purpose? What's our mission and our vision? What are our brand pillars that you know that that are, are non-negotiable and in, in, in our core values? And I think you know when you think about a mission being high-quality cannabis, you know, at scale, right? I mean, people can get behind it. It's coupled with a vision of having a lasting positive impact on every community and person that we come in touch with. Uh, you know, to be a force for good. Um, you know, that's that's uh, Something again, when you look for moments to take pride, you know, some of the things that we've been able to accomplish through our, our corporate social responsibility initiatives. Um, but then you get down to those you know, our brand pillars, right? And, and one of them is it's what's inside the box. It's not the box, it's not the brain, it's what's inside the box, right? And and that's that's a high quality product. And and that's that's a foundational element. And you know, so so understanding all of that together. You know, as we take over an acquisition and hey, there's we're just welcomed a thousand new employees, right? Um, is is to get them, you know, all rowing in the same direction. And, he, and you can understand that okay, high quality cannabis at scale, we do it better than anyone else. We want to be a force for good. But how how do how do what I do every day, how does that ladder up to it? Right. And when you can get there, right, when we can define the mission, vision, the brand pillars and all that, it's one thing, right? Hey, got it on my laptop. It looks awesome, <laughs> right? Okay, that's 
one, but nobody knows it. So how do we disseminate it to everybody? And that's good. If you can get everybody to tell you and be able to say, here's our mission, vision, and our brand pillars and our values. Great. Okay. That's a huge step forward. At the end of the day, when you want, and you've really done this well, everyone in the organization can talk about what I'm doing today and how that helps us achieve those things, right? There's a great story about uh, uh, Kennedy having said, you know, we're going to put a man on the moon, right? And he went and he went over to NASA and he gave a speech there in front of everybody. And he went back like three or four months later and there was a maintenance guy who was working on something, was sweeping the floor. And he asked him, hey, what are you doing? And the guy stopped and looked up at him and said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon, right? I mean, now, oh, okay, we're all rowing in the same direction, right? That's, 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 and, and look, are we there? I mean, gosh, we seven acquisitions in like 14 months. No, we're not there yet, but, but, but we're putting a ton of focus on that. Yeah. Cause it's critical. Cause it, I mean, this is, this is not, uh, it's not widgets, right? It takes people. Like, you know, we've got nearly 3,000 people interacting with patients and adult use consumers and plants and, deliveries and i mean and, and every one of them is going to have pride in what they do contributes to us hopefully you know uh, achieving those those lofty uh mission and vision goals you know? yeah I, you hit the nail on the head and i, I was i was going to ask you a question about maybe I'll, I'll ask it this way uh now that you just sort of partially answered the question i was going to ask but, uh you have kpis like there's a, it's a business you have yeah. you measure kpi how do you personally measure success? Like, what is success to you? Uh, well, in 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 my role, right? It's it's that that we're hitting on, uh, you know, that the idea of trust and foundational transparency with our consumers that we we have a relationship with them where, where we know that our goal is to produce the highest quality products that either help them with a medical condition or just help them as part of a, a natural, you know, health and wellness regime, or it helps enhance the good times in their lives and other activities, right? But no matter any one of those things, right, it's still, it's an agricultural product that you're putting into your body. So trust and transparency. And, and you know, I want it to me, I know that we're being successful if that's always our North Star, right? That every conversation is, you know, it's not, oh, there might be an issue with this batch and this crop. Right. Well, you know what? If we just do this or that to it, then we can, you know, we can still move it out. Versus, no, you know what? The other question that's out, right? That doesn't fit, uh, you know, what we're what we're trying to do. And, and if and if my team's able to build brands that tell those stories that connect with people, um, to either you know help them uh, again achieve a health and wellness reg- uh, regimen or or enhance you know the happy times in their lives. Uh, then, then we're, we're we're doing well, right? Those are tough things to measure. And the last one, which we are working on measuring right through employee engagement surveys, is is I did, you know when I worked at Coke, you know, and I would go to a, a cocktail party or dinner, or, you know, just well, where do you work? You know, it's Coca Cola. People immediately were like, "Oh, it's fascinating." Let me ask you, you know, a thousand questions, right? And you know, now you can go say, "Oh, I work for a cannabis company," and you get, "Well, that's interesting," right? But to be able to answer that in that, you know, that everyone who works here with pride, like, yeah, you know, let me tell you how we help people and the positive impacts we make on this community. And like, and, and you see people have this pride and this glow about, yeah, I work for air wellness. And let me tell you five reasons why it's, it's just unbelievable. And it's life changing for me. 
you know, that's, you know, then everything else starts to take care of itself. If you've got 3,000 people that all believe that, know how they connect what they do to our mission, like the, those quarterly earnings calls, they'll take yeah. care of themselves sooner or later. A hundred percent agreed. And I'm so glad you said that because that helps to alleviate that stigma too. Because instead of saying, oh, should I work in cannabis? And you're right, kind of hiding the fact. Right yeah. Like that was my, my moment of changing my LinkedIn profile at some point to saying cannabis. That was just sort of, I'm coming out of the, the cannabis closet. Right. And that's it. There's no going back. Uh, afterwards, you're you're making that risk, but you know, and all the people that looked at you back in the day when you you were operating in in the the, the dark ages, uh, you know, they're like that guy's uh, he's dealing drugs and all that stuff. And now it's like, oh, my mom or my grandma or my sister or my brother or me, uh, can you help? Blah 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 blah. So it changed all that, and I think by what you just said allows you to be able to those employees to have those conversations with their friends, their family members, and list the entire industry up. So one thing that I wanted to uh, add to your KPIs uh, that you were talking about, your personal uh, sort of uh, success measure, I think going back to the Kennedy story of having the the person sweeping on the floor, that's a really good way to measure success for you. Because if everybody is able at the employee level, everybody's able to Talk about the vision, mission, and values and having those pillars at every single level in the company, I think that's a big win for you as well. So just putting it out there is another measure. Yeah. I mean, to get everyone to understand it, to believe in it, uh, and then it's our responsibility to empower them to make sure that they can, right, that at every level, I've got the ability to make a decision or to, to do something to ensure that we are putting out the highest quality possible product, right? Or that the best customer experience in a store, right? They've got, they understand it and then they know they're empowered to actually make a difference. You know, that it's, that's the secret sauce. <laughs> so are you a cannabis consumer? Uh, I'm not a large cannabis consumer. No, I mean, I've uh, um, certainly over, over the, the span of my life uh, have uh, had different experiences with it, but, uh, but no, no, I mean, and I, I think that's okay. Um, you know, I have a ton of respect for the plant. I, I'm amazed by it. Um, I have, uh, a, a, you know, all these experiences where I've seen it change people's lives. Um, and, and I take that to heart. And I also have a, a ton of respect for people that find uh, that the, the plant just enhances their well-being or just having a good time. And, um, and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to be part of the industry and it's, uh, take a lot of pride in it. So, so what was your first cannabis experience like when you first consume cannabis ah it was uh i i, I remember uh i won't name any names but i was you know it was in uh name them come on man junior, junior <laughs> high school and i just remember uh in a buddy's kitchen with like five other guys and uh and just literally laughing for like three hours you know yes, it was a great experience yeah, oh, it was a fantastic experience <laughs> no, it was terrific and uh uh, I know when we hopped on, uh, uh, Henry was wearing his Pink Floyd shirt, and um, I, I do uh, went to a Pink Floyd concert up at Foxborough, and uh, you, know, you know that was you know one of those deals where you, you, know, you come in from the parking lot and the cloud comes out of the car, and uh, that was that was a good experience. And uh, do you know remember what year that was? That was ninety uh, four. So that was Division Bell tour. Yes. If I remember correctly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I was, um, 
Yeah, and incidentally, I, I was when I was at Vanderbilt, I was uh, the hospitality chairman of the concert committee. So we booked the bands, and then I got to, uh, you know, be the one to fill the rider and be backstage with them uh, in their dressing room. So you're wearing the Foo Fighters uh, uh, shirt there, and uh, there was some cannabis involved that day as well. Uh, <laughs> but I remember Dave. Uh, so the, the the Foo Fighters were there, and Dave Grohl pulled me aside, and he's like, "Listen." He's like, I need you to go pick up my girlfriend. The band's never met her before. She's over at the, the Lowe's Vanderbilt Hotel. Uh, I was like, all right, I can go find her. And, you know, it's like, how do I know who she is? Like, I didn't have a cell phone. This was, this was 97. Um, and uh, he's like, well, I think you'll, you'll figure it out. Her, her name's Winona, Winona Ryder. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? And so, like, I went and I got her. And she's like, you know, this, she's very shy, very quiet. But. But I remember like walking back into the room and Dave's like, hey guys, meet my girlfriend. This is Winona Ryder. And it was just, it was a surreal experience. Um, uh, but uh, those guys were, I've been thinking about that recently with uh, you know, Taylor Hawkins uh, passed away. And yeah, I remember him uh, the whole day was just playing the guitar in the dressing room uh, for hours leading up to the, uh, up to the show. But uh, uh, very yeah, it was a, there was an amazing uh, concert tribute uh, this weekend. Uh, it song, spent yeah. five, five hours to watch and uh, that's a, uh, one incredible job and you know taylor's son going on i saw so i saw taylor hawkins uh, in his side band project at the troubadour probably two weeks before they went to their uh, tour of south america and uh, he brought his son up to play the last uh, two songs oh. of them too so just, yeah it's a big loss speaking of music uh i'm a big music guy so as you had some experience in school with with music. I I was uh, a buyer for Tower Records, so that was my uh, my uh, experience in, in music it started and you know beyond that. But do you remember the first album that you've uh, ever purchased? Ooh, man, um, well, it was probably a cassette tape. Wasn't wasn't necessarily an album. Sure, <laughs> it, it might have been. Uh, it might have been born in the USA, actually. Uh, I was, uh, when I was 12 or 13, big, big, uh, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen fan for yeah. sure. What was the very first concert that you attended? So the first concert I ever attended was at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. I was probably six or seven years old and it was the Beach Boys. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Henry before that, that my very first one was Pink Floyd, actually, my dad, but that was... Not the division ball. There was, I, I'm pretty sure, it was the momentary lapse of reason. It's the very first show that they got together without Roger Waters. Oh, at, uh, yeah. JFK Stadium in Philly, and that's so. My my dad and his brother and my two friends. It was three of us. It was the first time my dad went to a concert. Very last time. He's never taken me to a concert after that. That was first and last because it was people were smoking and drinking. He didn't he didn't like that whole thing. It was the first time somebody passed a joint uh, to me. I was probably like, you know. 12 13 oh, yeah. <laughs> tell you one of the coolest thing i went and saw uh uh bob dylan at the ryman auditorium in nashville and he gets about two-thirds of the way through he's got a friend i want to bring up he brings out johnny cash oh wow i mean that was uh, i mean that was amazing that was uh, absolutely amazing it, it's it sounds silly so there was a a concert called uh desert trip which they called old cella because it's it's at the Coachella site, but it's Coachella for old people. So they had <laughs> they had Paul McCartney uh, brought out Neil Young, and they performed oh, together. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of the, one of those experiences. Uh, what was the last concert you attended? What's the last concert I went to? Um, By the way, I can just talk music with you. I don't. Yeah. Anything else. yeah. <laughs> um. Boy, it's been, oh, you know what? No, I, my my son's tenth birthday. Uh, we went to Mohegan Sun, and he he was uh, he was dying to see uh, the Imagine Dragons. So that was that was the I took him that for, for his, on his tenth birthday. We went to uh, Imagine Dragons. Very cool. Uh, so, what has cannabis meant in your life? Uh, well, look, this is the uh, it's the craziest industry that could possibly be, and you know it, both. You know, companies that I've worked for, it's uh, the pace is frenetic. Uh, it's constantly changing, and your reaction. You know, the idea of writing a business plan uh, in in October and having it look like uh, would it would it you know have it still be the same by May is in right, no way that that was thrown in the garbage can <laughs> four months before that. So I mean, it's it's um, but it, it's so invigorating, right? I mean, it's just um, it is it is such a such an awesome creative outlet. Um, when you think about studying the consumer and trying to develop, you know, brands and products and, and retail experiences that fit them, because there's no tried and true. There's no, it's not like, you know, you go to Coke, it's been there since 1886 and, you know, this is how we did it 50 years ago. And maybe a small tweak to it. And, you know, we'll try to grow 2% this year, right? We're trying to grow 250%, you know, monthly. <laughs> and, uh, and you're really, um, you know, you're getting to, there's no right or wrong way, right? You're, you're right. here's what we think. And then you get to go try it. And the consumer tells you if you're right or wrong. And uh, it's just a ton of white space for us to create. Uh, and, and so it's, it's like I said, it's invigorating. The people are great. Uh, you know, I've got nearly 50 people and you know, we brought the, you know, to be able to write the org chart up and say, this is what, you know, we're going to look like in a year. And then, you know, how often do you get to walk into a role and then you get to pick the people that go in each of those boxes. Right. So, the opportunity to recruit and bring in, um, you know, people that are already in the cannabis industry, or you know, bring them in from another industry, and, and kind of blend all these different perspectives together, and um, you know, and ideate together. It's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's highly motivating. It's energetic. You know, I uh, work too much, probably. I'm sure my family would say that, but it's also <laughs> I can't I can't kind of put it down. So yeah, I love that. It's and and you know. You guys and companies and people like you are, are the pioneers. So 50 years from now, people are going to be going back and say, hey, well, this is the way Jeff did it. And now you lay the foundation for you know the next generations that are going to be in this space. But I completely agree with you. You have to have a passion for it because it's the most difficult. People think, oh, it's a green rush. You're going to come in. We're going to buy a license. We're going to make all this money. But it's 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 not like that. It's a, it's a very complex, very difficult uh, industry. And at the end of the day, it's a freaking crop. It's a plant, you know. So it's like it's not a widget, as you said. It's yep. it's definitely a, a plant, so it makes it uh, difficult. All right. So l- last bonus question. What uh, Describe what your room looked like growing up. Uh, what did my room look like? So I had, uh, I think I had like a couple of Led Zeppelin posters in there. Uh, definitely had a, 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 a Lawrence Taylor, uh, poster for sure. Uh, you know, doing lines. Desk and, you know, what's that? Uh, doing lines or no? No, no, no not on that one. No, I didn't <laughs> learn that. I didn't learn too much about my hero until probably about, you know, a little later on. It was like, ah, <laughs> But man, he was something to watch. 
give yes. you something to watch. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I got uh, you know my my sports gear there, and you know, like I said, some music posters and my desk, and and uh, in in, in a pretty big bookshelf. Cool, Jeff. Where can people find out, contact you, or Air Wellness, and uh, social or email website? Where can people get more information? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, our, our airwellness.com has got, uh, you know, great information about our, our, our different retail brands and footprints in the states that we're in. It's got uh, a nice little primer on um, our, uh, our our brands, our different product brands. Uh, and then, you know, we've got a great uh, kind of 60-second video that really kind of brings to life what our mission is, you know, the impact that we want to make on people and communities and our commitment to the quality of the plant. Um, you know, and I, I, I like to click back over there and watch it every once in a while just to kind of reground myself on, on, on what, what we're doing and where we're headed. Very cool. Jeff, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being on and uh, hope to uh, you know, meet in person someday. Awesome. Yeah, this was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Man. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.